like a raving lunatic that has nothing to lose because you don't. And when you realize that, that's when you make the decision that you're going to play your best. Because if you don't, you don't have it tomorrow. You don't get another 48 minutes. That's what we're here Welcome, everybody, to the Sideline Trap Podcast, episode 12. I'm um, here, as always, my co-host, Casey Jenkins. What's up, Coach? Nothing, man. Hanging out. Another lovely Sunday. Let's get it going. Another another Sunday. Another guest this week. Um, very honored to have current Susquehanna Varsity Boys basketball head coach, Lawrence Tompkins, on with us. Coach, how are you? I'm doing really well, guys. You know, I really appreciate you having me on. And, you know, I think what you guys are doing with this podcast is is really good. I, I was telling, you know, Casey that I've been following along the whole time and really, you know, listening to what you guys are doing. So I, I appreciate you having me on. At least someone's listening, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, there's at least one. <laughs> got to get those numbers up somewhere. That's right. <laughs> I got to start. got to start somewhere. Uh-huh. Um, so coach, I know, uh, like I said, you're currently at Susquehanna. So, um, you know, typically what I like to do is have, have guys kind of introduce themselves, tell us where you've been, how you got to where you are and, uh, and, and we'll go from there. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. I, I played college basketball for four years, um, at Marywood university down in Scranton. And, um, I think I knew immediately that I wanted to get into coaching. Um, and I was fortunate enough right after I graduated from college to get a, a teaching position, um, full-time. And, uh, I've got the junior high head coaching job at Susquehanna at the same time. And, uh, I served in that position for two years, but at the same time, I also, um, was coaching, um, in, in an AAU program in Scranton. And I got to know, um, a few ninth grade, 10th grade players, um, and actually a school district that was a neighboring school district from the one that I was working at and, uh, their head coaching position happened to come open, um, after my second year of being a junior high coach and I applied and I got that. And I was actually the head coach for three years at, uh, Joe, ironically enough, the school that you're coaching at, uh, there, yep. uh, for three years. And then, uh, you know, things ended up breaking, uh, you know, the way that, that I always wanted them to, like, you know, I always thought it would be easier to coach at the district that you teach at. Um, and the Susquehanna position opened up, uh, three years later. So I took that and, um, I've been there ever since. So I guess if I add those years up that 11 years, I think. They add up quick. Yeah, honestly. And I, I started thinking to myself, man, you know, I've been doing this for a while and then you start adding up the years and it's been, Double digits. <laughs> You're the OG of our of our uh, district huh. or of our league. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd like I'd like you guys to stick around a little while because I, I some of these coaches I don't even have their phone numbers now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it goes, right? So, no. well, you said you said you played um, you played four years of college at Marywood, right? Yeah. Um, and you said you always knew you wanted to coach. What? Um, how, how was that? Like, like what made you what made you know that you wanted to get into coaching and that you wanted to continue? being involved in the game? Um, well, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it just has to do with just loving the, loving the game. Um, 
I, I graduated from uh, high school and I've stayed very active in that school district summer basketball stuff with their with their youth program when I was in college, you know, always trying to give back a little bit and um, just, you know, just enjoyed it. And, you know, I think, you know, being a teacher and being involved in extracurricular activities kind of made it seem like a logical fit to me. And, you know, it, it, like I said, it, I was fortunate enough to get hired um, in a full-time teaching position right after I graduated and there was a junior high job open. So, you know, I just transitioned right into that. And one thing just kind of fell in the line after that. Yeah. For, for, for me, I, I, I was at a young age where I thought um, I, I still had like a competitive need to stay involved. And that's kind of how I started. I was like really fiery about it. That's what was my, that was my way to get my competition in. And then it, over a little bit of time, it kind of evolved to where you, you grow relationships with kids and other coaches and things like that. Um, I think at first it was super, it was like a super selfish endeavor for me. I was just, I just needed that competition to keep going. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think, you know, obviously the, the three of us know each other, you know, relatively well at this point. And I think, you know, we're, we're grown men. Right. But I think you still kind of see that competitiveness, especially, you know, the day of games. Right. I mean, here the three of us are on, you know, talking to each other on a, on a video recording and it's October, but the day of the game, when we walk into the gym, we don't want to make eye contact with each other or we don't want to shake each other's hand because there's like that competitive edge that you're trying to maintain. Right. Um, but then when the game's over, you know, it's back to being, you know, who we are. So it's almost like that little childish competitiveness that we have uh, that just continues to flare up every once in a while, even though, you know, we, we all know each other. So I, I think Casey, that's definitely true. It's funny you mentioned that because Casey's pointing out, he's asked me before, um, kind of about that same thing. And I've always said like, you like, I so, I so bad. Like if I play you, Lawrence, like I so badly want to beat you. Like while, while the game comes out, but as soon as it's over, you know what I mean? I like, I respect you obviously. Uh, and everything like that. So, but as soon as that game's over, right. Great friends back being friends, but the minute you step off the bus, it's like, no, I want to, I want to beat this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I know yeah. Uh, you guys, are, you guys are friends of mine and I, I've said some, especially to you, Joe, I've said some nasty things post game to you <laughs> <laughs> in love, all in love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I know how to take that Casey. I mean, I, I guess maybe I just, you know, I've been so nice to you during games that I, I, don't, yeah, I, I just don't worry. Well, it's, I don't know. Maybe based on how coaches move through the division, you might, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll be facing somebody else. Pretty soon. Just, that's a good, there's a good chance of that. Like a revolving door. That's a good chance of that. Um, I want to go back to, um, Obviously, you're you're a teacher. Uh, you you teach in the school district that you coach at, um, and Casey and I are not teachers, so mm -hmm. we're outside the school district. We're outside the school with all the kids and stuff like that. So, talk to us a little bit about um, if you think and how, if so, um, being in the school with your guys and being a teacher and being around them has kind of um, has more of a benefit as opposed to to us guys being outside the school. Well, you know, I I actually saw it. And I've had, I've experienced it from both sides. Cause like I said, when I first became a varsity coach, I was coaching at a district that I wasn't teaching at, right. you know, so I had those three years where I, I didn't have that, that experience. And I think, 
you know, even though I had those relationships with those players and they were still, I, I would call them like air quotes, my players, right? Um, I didn't get a chance to really see them and know them off the court, you know, and, and you know, who they really were and what their daily struggles were like um, in the classroom or, you know, how their behavior was, you know, like you only get to see a kid when they're in a competitive situation where their emotions are running hot. You don't get a chance to see them, you know, laid back, you know. Um, so I think, you know, the benefits of, of being around them all the time or, you know, let, let's say they have, you know, a really good game or they struggle in a game. You know, you can see them the next morning and just say, hey, you know, how are you today? And you don't have to wait all day to see them, you know, and address it. You know, and, and I think, you know, one of the biggest things for me from a teaching perspective is academics. You know, like I try to go that little extra extra mile to make sure a kid is getting what he needs academically. Because, you know, without academics, they're never going to get to us on the basketball court anyway. So, you know, I think trying to bridge that gap, you know, is something that is obviously easier, maybe a little bit from, for somebody who's in the school to do than somebody who's out. Yeah, you, you, you and I were talking prior to this starting and you were talking about, um, you know, uh, workouts before school. That's something that's off the table, uh, off the table for, for Coach Gibbs and I. You know, we can't we can't get in there prior to the school because I've heard I've talked to a lot of other guys that are in the school district and a lot of guys do that. It sounds like a great thing. They get in and get a pump in the morning, maybe get a couple shots up. Then they can stay after after school, get another one. It's just kind of off the table for us. And that, that's um, it's a little bit of an obstacle, I feel. Uh, what about coach? You've been you, you've been ahead for like 11 years, roughly. Right. In those 11 years, <clears throat> what are some things that maybe you when you began, you were kind of staunch on? And over the years, maybe your perspective has changed or your ideals have changed on on how you coach the kids or how you handle a team. What are something some things that maybe have just changed drastically for you over the years? And because that's a pretty good span of time. Um, okay. So I could, I could probably talk about this for, uh, five hours if we really want to make this a long, boring podcast. Um, but I would say, you know, if I could go back 11 years and really look it over the, the one glaring thing for me is <clears throat> when I first started, I was younger. And I think when you're younger, you're more bullheaded, right. And you're, you're hotter, you run a little hot all the time. And one of the things that I always had this mentality of from a coaching perspective was you're going to do it my way. And if you don't, then we're just going to run, you know, like yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Then we're going to run. And, you know, uh, Casey, you know, I, I had a great opportunity to coach your younger brother uh, my first two years when I was coaching over a mountain view and I've seen him numerous times. In fact, I, I, I said this to him just, just this past year when we played, cause you know, he was, he was on your staff and I, I tell him, I apologize to him all the time. And I say, you know, I, I wish I, I wish I, I knew what I know now, you know, when I coached you guys, cause I feel, and, and, and he was a great player, uh, for me and his team was a good team, but you know, I think if, if you could combine, that. So I think what I'm trying to get at here is, you know, like 
running a team in the ground because I don't do what you want them to do uh, works in small spurts. Um, but you'll lose a team that way too, if that's what you do all the time. Uh, so I think that's one thing that I've learned. Number two is I think when I first started, started coaching, I had like my notebook before I ever started the season of like plays that we were going to run, you know, and like that system, you know, the system, right. That Lawrence Tompkins was going to have. And then I was going to make those guys into the system. And then I, you know, you start realizing that basketball doesn't have to be that complicated. So I think what I've really learned is that you can't have a system, especially at the schools that the three of us coach at, you know, I think if you're at a bigger school, you know, that, that you're making cuts because there's 50 kids coming out every year, um, then you might be able to system guys. Right. But I think really what I've learned is that get the ball to your best player as much as you can and, and make the game simple for everybody. And that's what, that's what we always try to do, you know, change plays every year, um, get really good at doing a couple of things and, you know, try to keep it simple. Um, you know, most of the time it doesn't work against Mountain View, uh, because they, they, you know, they, they, they grab and they hold you all the time. On <laughs> but other than, other than that, you know, sometimes it does. Got to get an advantage somehow. Right? Hey, it's, hey it, it worked. It works worse for Bobby Knight, you know, back. <laughs> Bobby Knight might be the most, the most uh, talked about name, the, the most, the biggest name drop on this podcast. He, he comes up like every, every other episode, someone throws him out there. Well, I, I, I if I were, you know, I, and I do too. And then I, 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 I took the bait. I apologize. <laughs> I think, I think you're totally right though. Like even, I mean, shoot, I've only been there. I've been a head coach for four years. Like even some of the stuff I did my first year, if I like doing it, if I did it now, or um, I had kind of like a, a, you know, a a come to moment this season too, where my, I think I told on a previous podcast where I put my guys in the line, we ran, we did one line drill and I was just like, what are we doing? I just sent them home because nothing was going to be accomplished from it. Yeah, Lawrence, I've actually done the same thing you've you've done where you, you said you apologize to past players. I've done the same thing because I just realized over the years, like I started off so stupidly. I'm probably still a moron, but I've gotten quite a bit better over the last five ish years. So I, and I've apologized to some of my past players just being like, man, I'm sorry. I wasted I kind of wasted your opportunity because of how I was going about doing this. Yeah. You know, I think it's a really delicate balance that you work, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you, the the player, players still have to buy in, you know, to what you're doing. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the coach, the coach, I think makes a culture and like a, a a mentality uh, that, that they want their players to do. But I mean, the players have to come and meet you too, you know, and I think, you know, any coach knows that, Hey, you know, if, if my guys are busting their, busting their tail to try to do what is necessary, then, then you can acknowledge them for that and you can appreciate that. But my thing even now is, you know, if, if I've seen you do it and you're capable of doing it and you know, you as an individual or you as a team just aren't getting it done, then that's treated differently than, well, you know, you bobble the pass out of bounds, get on the line and run, you know? And I think that was probably something that I did a little too much when I was younger. Right. Um, 
in the in your time, Coach Gibbons, you and I have talked about this as like a kind of a topic, but I, I would like to get uh, Lawrence's ideas on this. Like in that eleven years, you've had you know a group of a, a group of different players every year, and every year you have you know maybe for a two or three year span, you'll have one kid who stands out as maybe your best player. Mm-hmm. So you've had a handful of those in, in eleven years. How do you go about coaching your best player? Well, so, um, you know, I've, uh, first of all, you know, I think there are certain things that every player has to do the same, you know, and I think effort is one of them that has to be done exactly the same, you know, um, effort, something that's not a skill. It's just the mentality. So, you know, I've always said in our credit to the coaches that I've had, like we've always been on the same page, you know, everybody has to play defense the same way. You know, everybody can box out and rebound. It's not a skill, you know, everybody can run as fast as they can back on defense, you know, like it's not a skill. So just because you're the best player doesn't mean you just, you know, get a pass on those things. Um, but I think, you know, the, I think kind of Casey, what you're probably getting at is like, you know, if you have a kid who clearly your best offensive weapon, you know, how do you balance that, you know, with, with knowing that that kid obviously can probably score, you know, 15 to 22 points a game where you might not have any other kids who can't do anything, you know, and, and how do you, how do you manage that? Right. So I, I think what we try to do is we just try to, I try to simplify the game for, for everybody. Um, you know I mean? If you're that kid, who's just a role player and your role is to stand over here in the corner and shoot. Well, the person who's the best player has to understand that one of, one of the reads coming off this play is that shooter right there. And if that shooter knocks down shots, then your job is going to be a lot easier too, as the quote unquote best player. Cause they can't double team you as much. Right. So I think that just comes from practice and repetition and things like that, you know? But listen, you know, I've had I've had best players too in the past that had that that uh, have quit the team because they just they just flat out will not figure it out. Right. So and and it's been addition by subtraction too. So yeah, I, I, one of the things that I found is kind of a difficult line to walk when trying to um, get your your best offensive player to understand what's best for the team is that line where maybe the player feels more confident in shooting a a slightly more difficult shot than giving up an easier one to a teammate, but doesn't have the confidence in a teammate. And from a player's perspective, I could kind of understand that. So it's hard to like, it's hard on a, on an individual level to be like, well, what do you, you just make the pass. And if you miss this, you live with it because as a player, you're like, well, we don't want to miss. So I get there. I get the idea, but um, I guess I'm saying from, from the kid's perspective, I could understand it, but as a coach, you just, you kind of, you can't allow it. You have to make the, make that easy, make that pass. He makes the shot or he misses and we live. Listen, you're, what you're saying is exactly the phrase we use all the time. It's make the right play. You know, right. just if, if you, if you have a tough shot, um, you've got to make the right play. And if that individual misses it, then it's not your fault. You know, and, and I've had that conversation thousands of times with people who are frustrated because, well, coach, like I could have missed a layup, you know, right. He missed it. 
you know, I, I could have shot over a double team and missed. And I'm like, yeah, but that's a bad shot. The one that he took was a good shot. He just happened to miss it, you know? So we were coaching that kid on making that shot later. Well, it's like if you, I mean, obviously, if you make the right play over and over again, good things are going to happen eventually, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that it's it's that simple. Um, do you see uh, you've had um, not this past year, but the year before, you had a, a big group of seniors come through. Obviously, a good run of success, two time league champs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you won the. Did you win the district twice or or um, just once? once. Just once. Mm-hmm. Uh, One time district champion, made a good run in the state playoffs. Um, how much, what did they mean to your program going forward? Obviously, it's a big group, very successful. Um, and obviously, it sounds like you're harping on making the right play and stuff like that. And I know I know that team played in that manner. So um, talk a little bit about kind of what those guys meant to the program uh, and, and moving forward. Well, you know, I think just in general, what that, what that group of guys meant to the program was that was the best team that our school had really had in 20 years. Um, if you look at just the number of wins that they had over a two year time period, um, we had never actually ever, uh, and, and ever is a really long time, uh, had a, a, a team at our school on the boys side, win a division title of any sort. And that's going back to when it was, you know, uh, division, whatever it was called, um, you know, whoever was in it, like there had never been a division title uh one so you know to the to the program and even to the school's history i mean that that was i mean mean, you could argue that that was the best team maybe in the school's history um you know and then obviously allowing you know the community to experience you know state playoff games um you know really big venues i mean like you know those are those are the reasons why we coach you know um I mean, those are those are just the the best moments that you could ever ask for. And then seeing your team come out and and play well on a big stage, you know, is so, so much fun for you as a coach. Like I had a blast doing that because those guys were actually going out, executing game plans against really good teams and being successful, you know. And then sometimes you just had to sit back and you just kept saying, wow, like these guys are really rising to the occasion, you know. Um, But, you know, I think. Like, what does it mean to the program? You know, I think every every group of kids is different. You know, like that that group of kid, uh, that you know that that group of kids over the course of a two or three year time period, you know, they they were a unique group. You know, um, they they did things a certain way. You know, they may have practiced with the players that I coach now. That doesn't mean that those players that I have now have that same mental makeup. You know, that they did. So, you know, just sit here and say that, you know, I would expect, you know, every one of the players now to approach the things the same way would be naive of me, you know. Um, So it's, you know, almost every year it's just like cleaning the slate, you know, and starting over in terms of, you know, what what you are coaching as a group. Well, from from a group like that, you, you just said every year it's like cleaning the slate. But was there any trickle down effect? for your your subsequent year or two after that i guess it's it's one year well you you know what i think happened this past year is um you know there were there were kids this past year who were seniors who did not have a chance to play as juniors because that group was kind of a larger group in numbers 
Um, so I think they might've been chomping at the bit a little bit to get their chance. And, you know, I think in some cases, you know, they, I'm not going to say that they overachieved, but, um, they, they really played well towards the end of the second half of the season. And I think, you know, looking back on it, maybe it would have been something that would have really benefited our program if, you know, myself and the rest of our coaching staff would have tried to get them a couple of minutes the previous year, you know, to kind of, kind of see where they may have, you know, right. contributed or maybe it would have sped up their growth a little bit, you know. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that, that turnaround this past year. Cause I know you guys started out a little bit, struggled a little bit early, um, but you really turned it on, turned it around um, late in the year, second half of the league season, uh, sure. a little bit before that too. So what, what kind of went into that? I mean, what did the, does it, was it mostly player driven, coach driven, a little bit of, of, of both teamwork? Um, you know, kind of what, what went into the, the, the turnaround there? You know, I, I really think it was just um, kids who didn't have a lot of experience playing varsity basketball, finally getting comfortable in the last 10 or 12 games of the year and also becoming a little bit more cohesive as a group, you know, I mean, you know, we, I, I could sit here and, and say, you know, from game to game, what the, the game plan was right. But I mean, we, we were we, as coaches, we were game planning the first half of the year too. And we weren't doing anything uh, correct either, you know, in terms of the box score. So, you know, I, you know, I, I, I've said this too, and I know you guys are the same way, you know, you probably don't work any harder at game planning before games that you win or games that you lose. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's literally the same amount invested, uh, same prep. I, I would assume none of us just throw games away. You know, it's, it's probably, you know, even when you're facing an opponent, that's like, you know, really good. Uh, you, you put together a game plan and you say to yourself, Hey, if we play out of our skulls doing this, we're going to, we're going to you know, have a chance. Right. But you know, it's not like last year, you know, on, on December 20th, you know, we did a whole lot differently from a game planning perspective. Our guys just got, they got more confident and winning is contagious too. You know, like once they got a couple of them, then they started to think, man, like we can do this again. And then it's just, you know, you know, it just, it just becomes addicting. You know, I think that's the way maybe to phrase it. Winning's addicting, you know? Coach, in your, in your time, um, have you, have you really altered the way you go about practices in season drastically, or have they been moderate, like relatively the same over the years? Is there anything that you've drastically changed? Yes. The time much shorter, much shorter practices. Once the season starts, uh, especially once we get into like lead play in January, um, we don't go anywhere, you know, longest we'll ever go is an hour and a half. Um, and, and there's a couple of reasons for that. The first one is, you know, we're, we're playing games, you know, n normally for, for us in our division, it's Tuesday, Friday, but one of those is always on the road. Uh, and invariably it seems like every road game is on a Tuesday. Uh, so, you know, they're not getting home until later. So Wednesday is always a night at Susquehanna for us where we're sharing a gym with the girls because they, they don't have games either on Wednesdays. 
So they're chomping at the bit to get into the gym or we're, we're practicing later. And it's like, who wants to do that in the middle of the winter? So by the time you get into the gym, it's like, listen, let's just focus and get our stuff done and get out of here. Or it's a lot of game planning, right? So you do some skill work, you do some game planning, you make sure everybody feels comfortable in the position and you get out of there. Right. Um, so I would say shortening practices is the biggest thing that I do differently now. Is that that's mainly for for their um, their season long stamina uh, and my sanity too? I think. Gotcha. Well, you know, that, that's the one question I didn't ask that I was alluding to because yeah. it does get a little long for us as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think it's just one of those things too. Where how many times can you say the same thing to the same kids? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it's just guys. Listen, this is what we got to do, and you know, I think in some cases we've had some of our more effective practices that have been like 50 minutes long hmm. where, where in the past we've had the same practice script that was like an hour and a half, but we were like, we got to jam this into 50 minutes and it's just like bang, 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 bang. And it's like, gets done and it's so crisp and the guys are breathing heavier than they ever had before. And they're sweating harder. And we're like, man, that was like awesome. How can we make that same energy into a two hour practice? And then like, you know, on the ride home, you're thinking, Hey, dummy, like the reason why you can't do that in two hours is because it's only meant to be done in 50 minutes and you should do that all the time. You know, <laughs> so I think over the years, I've kind of figured that out. <clears throat> yeah, when I try to shorten my practices, which towards like the second half of the season, we will. But the short, as short as they get is an hour and a half. I just can't. I'm not at a point yet where I feel good about. I almost feel like I'm wasting time thrown in that thrown away that extra half hour, even though I know the benefits of doing so. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I know I should shorten my practices. I don't, they're all two hours. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe it's something, maybe it's something I'll get to down the line a little bit after growing a little bit, but they're all, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's all two hours and hard to, which is probably a detriment to us all. <laughs> so I, so, so I had a, uh, I had a, I had a guy tell me one time and this was, uh, this was when I was having a conversation with somebody about like on a snow day, should, should you try to practice on a snow day from school? Because, you know, some, some, some schools are just like, no. Yeah. When it's a snow day, the campus is closed regardless of if all the snow melts by 10 in the morning, you know, you can't, you can't go, but then other schools are, you know, they, they let us see how it plays out. Um, I was having this conversation with, with somebody about, you know, should you practice on a snow day? And um, the individual was like hard against it. We should not practice on snow days. Just kids are going to be, they're going to be like all out of sorts you know, it's a different schedule. It's a waste of time. How are they going to get rides there? Blah, 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 blah. Right. And, uh, you know, as a head coach, you're like, oh man, like we have an opportunity here. There's no school. We should, we should practice. Like this is like a free day. Like we got to get, we got to get like time because you know what, like, those, those 10 extra shots, the guys get up today on the snow day is literally going to make a huge difference. <laughs> right. Like it's like, this is going to be the reason, the reason why we win these 10 shots. Right. Um, but I mean, if you, if you just think about that, like that mentality, right. From that individual I'm talking about to the way I was thinking about it, that's where we're at. 
you know, as, as debating, like what, what, like, what are we going to do in those 30 extra minutes, right? Between an hour and an hour and a half of practice. Yeah. Because in our minds, we're thinking if we can just do shell drill <laughs> for, 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 for 30 more minutes, it's going to steal us like a stop in the fourth quarter. And that's going to be the reason why we win. But in reality, it's probably just going to be because like the other team turned it over or it off their foot <laughs> or like, you know, a, 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 a kid, a kid all of a sudden just played harder for one possession, you know, um, like that's, that's just the reality of it, you know, but like you leave practice, I guess, feeling better because you know what, like you went an extra 30 minutes. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly it. I, I feel, I feel bad for quote wasting time, but it's probably not a waste. <clears throat> right. Coach, uh, I noticed, I noticed a couple of years ago that you started to do off of off of the free throw line. You used to do a sideline. You started to implement a sideline break. And a uh, couple things. One, when did you start doing that? And two, I was wondering if you could if you could just talk us through how what your what your goal is out of that and maybe how you drill that. <clears throat> Actually. I, I ran a sideline break off of a made free throw uh, when I first started coaching 11 years ago um, and ran it with a little bit of success. And really the, the, the point behind it is just try to like, you're just trying to try to get a basket, right? You know, I, I think one of the, one of the time periods in a game where, you know, guys are really feeling good is after they make a free throw and their teammates are, are either jogging back with them and you always have two of their teammates who are standing back by the three point circle. Right. And it's just one of those weird things in a game where it just seems like there is, um, it's, it's like a little lull, you know, because everybody just brings the ball up. They kind of casually walk it up, you know? And, um, <clears throat> you know, I think one of the biggest things to bring momentum back to your side off of uh, opponents made free throws would get the ball up quick and try to get something right back. You know, like, I mean, if you've been watching like the, the NBA finals, like the Lakers are so good at that right now where, you know, team scores and then they, they hit you right back and it's just demoralizing. So I think that's kind of the idea behind it. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of the thought process behind it. Um, I haven't done it with every team because not every team has the mental capability uh, as a five man unit to, to do it, believe it or not. You know, it, it takes a it takes a group of five guys with guys subbing in and out to know exactly where they're supposed to go. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, it's drillable and it's something that we practice when we run it and, and guys, you know, we, we don't call it every time. Obviously it's, it's, it might be a call like, you know, two or three times a game. Um, what, what would be the, what would be, why would that be, not be something that you just, you institute and you just do why is that a call um because it's it's not going to be effective uh if it's just something you do every time because then it becomes a tendency that your team has that they scout right Right. so it, it would just become another play that that you run so therefore then it wouldn't be uh an advantage you know what i mean um like uh i'll give you an example you know let's say you know, you, you scout a team and for, for four different films that you have of them, you notice that when they th- 
throw the ball to the wing, their point guard down screens to the opposite block. Then they pop that guy to the top of the key, right? It's kind of like the Carolina set that everybody runs. But they start the game and they throw the ball there and then they back screen for the point guard and they throw him a lob. And now you're like, whoa, I never saw that. Right. Right. It's just, it's just another thing, you know, that all of a sudden they haven't seen before. They're not prepped for it. They haven't spent, you know, 50 weeks in there. Um, let, let's put it the other side. Let's say you see it on film one time. Are you going to mention it in your pregame? Uh, one time, less likely, much less likely. Okay. Are you gonna Are you gonna mention if it's happened against your team two or three times? Correct. Yeah, I'm definitely bringing okay. it up. So that's kind of succeeded, and I think one of my goals as a coach, you're wasting your practice time now on something that we only do one percent of the time. Right. Right. You know what I mean. So, yeah, so, so for you, it's, it's not necessarily, it's not something that you necessarily want to pick the pace up. It's more of a momentum uh, catch and, yeah. and just an opportunity for a, hopefully a quick bucket. Yeah. Gotcha. It's kind of like, gotcha. a, I, would, I would consider it like a fake punt in football. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I like that. Um, is there, you, you've talked a couple of times about, you know, uh, each team is different. So I assume I know the answer to this, but I'm just, I'm just checking in on it. Are there things that you do every year, regardless of team and X's and O's wise, defensively, offensively, pace of play, anything like that? Or is it very specific to the team? I think what we do defensively um, stays about the same, especially for the last five or six years. Um, when we're playing man-to-man -man defense, I think it's it's been very similar in terms of just, you know, it, it's not even, you know, like, a, you know, there's, there's this movement now, you know, and I'm sure you follow it with college basketball where everybody's preaching this pack line defense stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't even consider it pack line. It's just one of those things where about five years ago, we really started focusing on like the smaller points of being in man-to-man. -man. You know, where are you going when you're in help position? Um, where are you forcing the ball? You know, what are you doing when you turn and box out? You know, so I think defensively, those are, are all of the things that that remain the same over the last five or six years. Now, offensively, honestly, um, it, it's really year to year based on the skill of our team. You know, and, and you know, if we have a, a, a good ball handler, you know, a strong point guard, uh, individuals who can shoot. You know, do we have a post guy? Right. Um, you know, I mean, if we have you know, two post guys, you know, who, who are not quick, then obviously our offense is going to change based on if we have no post guys and we're playing five guards. So, you know, that is just something that we literally take years, a year at a time. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing I was going to ask you guys was, you know, obviously your off season was not, you know, what it would normally be under any other circumstance. But, you know, a lot of a lot of coaches, I'm assuming, still had contact with their players, even though they might not have been physically with them. So, you know, what did you guys do over the course of the summer uh, with your guys, even though you couldn't physically be with them in most cases? You know, like, did you send them drills? Did you have Zoom meetings? You know, did you what, like, did you have anything to do with them or did you just stay hands off? Um, in my case, in my case, I had I had very minimal like 
text contact or through some of the apps we use. I had a limited contact that way until we got the go ahead, which was a, it was a couple months ago now to go with open gyms. Once we had open gyms, it was back to, you know, business as usual, usual as far as um, contacting the players um, verbally. I mean, Um, the physical proportions of the open gyms are obviously a little bit different, but uh, as far as talking to them, I didn't do any, any zoom meetings. Um, The truth is once we, for me, usually once we finish in that March area, I have, that's usually pretty normal for me. I'd have limited verbal communication with them until we get started with open gyms. Once we get started with open gyms, then the floodgates kind of open and I, and I'm talking to them. I, um, I had a couple zoom calls, uh, with my guys, but, um, so this year is, I guess it's a little bit different this year. I have like six kids coming back <laughs> returning from last year. Yeah. total. Um, and two, two of whom, um, I, I won't, you know, I, I just, I don't see in the summer. Um, they don't usually come to open gyms and they're only around in like November. So, um, it was mostly like three or four kids. I'd have a zoom call here or there and, and, and basically just mostly just encourage them to continue to do a lot of the skill stuff that we do pre-practice anyway. Cause I, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it, but I didn't, I didn't send them any, I didn't come up with any workout plans or send them anything like send them anything like that. Um, I did hook a couple guys up, um, with strength training and things like that, that they can do. Um, but, I did talk, I did, I did just chop it up with them a little bit cause it kind of felt bad or season ended. And then like the week before everything shut down. So, um, from there it was like, I hadn't had contact with him for a long time. What did you, how did you, how did you go about this weird off season? Very similar. You know, I mean, it was just one of those deals where, um, I actually had two guys come in, uh, the week before school shut down, uh, in the morning before school, they were really anxious to start you know, getting started on just working on some stuff, you know, finer minutia type of stuff, shooting form, et cetera. Uh, we had a workout uh, before school. I think it was, you know, it was the week of March 9th, you know, cause school shut down on the 13th. And um, that was the last physical contact with a basketball that I had with any guy until two weeks ago uh, when I started you know, the, the morning sessions again. And, um, I, I mean, I had a zoom call with the guys in April when it became obvious that school was going to stay closed for the rest of the year. And I just told them, Hey, listen, like, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to play basketball again at some point. It, it's not going to be, it, it might not be this summer, but there's going to be basketball again at some point. So, you know, you might not have a hoop at your place, but find a job or something that you can do that's physical. You know, like if you, if you got a farmer nearby who needs help bailing hay, like you got to go throw hay bales or something, you know, like you got to go, you got to go mow grass for the lady next door. Um, you know, you, you know, if you have weights then lift them, but I mean, for some kids, that's just not a reality, you know? So tr- try to do that. And then, Hey, you know, <laughs> school started back up and it was like, wow, like you look a lot different kid. <laughs> you grew you grew six inches or you just put on 30 pounds because you, you like we didn't do anything all summer you know what i mean um and i think that's going to be a uh an issue for us all i think too is you know conditioning uh is, is going to be an issue i think for 
for a lot of us, you know. Harder. Which one's harder to get the kids in on their own time to buy into strength or to buy into their cardio? Both. Both. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. I don't. I don't. I don't see. You know, unless they do a sport in the fall, they're not doing either of them on their own. I, I, I honestly, I don't believe they're doing either of them. No, no kid that I know for, for no reason just goes out and runs. Yeah, that, that would be my answer would be the cardio for at, sure. At this point. And, and I don't know one kid who just on their own just throws like a YouTube workout on their, on their on TV in their room and just crushes like 40 minutes of weights. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't, I don't know somebody who does that. So my brother did a great job of getting some kids to buy into the weight room. We have a couple. We're lucky to have a couple of them have. They do that. They lift on their own. But the cardio, that's out the window. That is, they just, they just refuse to do it. No, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and that's where we come in, I guess, as coaches. You know, we just say, time to get in shape, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how, are, how are you guys thinking about? uh, dealing with, uh, dealing with the mass issue during practices and like during games, have you thought about like, cause, cause I mean, you know, I, I don't know how your school's requiring you to like do the face coverings, you know, during practices. I mean, obviously when the kids are out there running around doing their stuff, you know, the PIAA in the state says they're fine. They can take them off. But, you know, has your school any given you guys any guidance about like when they're sitting on the bench during games, you know, like, are, are you getting them like mashing things or like, in, even in, like, 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 I, I mean, I've, I've even heard from some people like during practices, you know, if you're having like, a, you know, that meeting at center court, like they should, they should have a face covering on. Like, have you guys thought about that or have you gotten any guidance on that from your school? I, ha I have. Um, the only time they're not supposed to be wearing the masks is where they're engaged in playing beyond so, that. Every or getting drinking water directly. Beyond that, the mask goes back on. So, how are you going to do that? Then, are you going to have them just wear like neck gaiters and then just like slide them up, or are they going to have them like around their neck the whole time during practice and then they just deal with it? Because I mean, like I like, and this is a legit thing because I thought about it. You know, like that's just another piece of equipment now that they have. Mm -hmm. to out. And, you know, like I think the traditional one around their ear, like they're not just going to have that thing hanging off their head during practice and then just like. Right. So like, I, I, I think, think the, I think the, the, the neck covering is probably a good, a good option is you could just pull it up. And then also I've, I was thinking about this is if I can structure my practices to keep them constantly going. <laughs> I can negate some of that downtime. Right. Right. You know, that, that was kind of one of the ways I was going to try to get around it. It was just try to keep a more competitive up pace, uh, up tempo practice. And for what we want to do, that's going to fit anyway, I think. So that's going to be. Let me write that down. <laughs> going, going up speed for 50, 50, 50 minute practices. <laughs> yep. Yep. Packing it into 50 minutes. <laughs> I, think, I think the weird, the weirder thing for me, like obviously the mask thing is weird. Like, when are they going to put them out, put them on and stuff. But the weirder thing for me is like, they shouldn't be like high-fiving chest bumping. Like it's just take, like how many times have you told your teams in the past? Like, like the pot, the positive touch, like you guys should be slapping five and stuff. You can't do it anymore. So it totally changes how they interact on the court and even coming off the court with the bench. 
Right. Well, I noticed the 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 volleyball team at the school the other night. I, I showed up from my open gym and there's a, a line of chairs in the hallway and I asked the athletic what what's up with the chairs? He said, Well, we had the excess, the spillage um out in the hallway. So half the teams in the hallway can't see the game. The assistant coaches in the hallway can't see the game. Like if that if that is what we have to do, it's gonna re- it's gonna be really really hard because you're you know you're asking kids to stay involved and pay attention to what's going on while they're on the bench. Not that that always happens, but that's what you're asking them to do. And now when they're coming in, they literally have zero idea what's going. They might not even know the score. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you know I've had that conversation with with my athletic director and just coaches in general about. You know, if, if you're like, what if we're the only coaches on the bench? Oh yeah. You know, and, and you know, what, what happens if, if a guy gets dinged up? Right. You know, like, are they going to let trainers in the gym? Because that's, that's an extra person, you know, that's, that's going to count towards whatever that number is. So they have, you know, and what, you know, what if you do, what do you do if your kid just jams a finger, you know, are, are we as the coach going to go and get ice? at the same time as we're trying to coach the rest of the team, you know, and like, I just think about how many times throughout the course of the game that I lean on my assistant coaches for stuff. That's not even coaching. Mm-hmm. Right. Talk to this guy, get him a bandaid. He, he's bleeding or something like that. You know, like how is that all going to work from a, from a, just a non-basketball mindset you know, I, I just, I feel like in some cases, a lot of the stuff that they're they're thinking about having us do is unrealistic in terms of safety for the sport, not safety for COVID, if you know what I mean, but yeah. just safety for basketball or safety for any sport that's going on right now. You know, um, you know, if, if this was any other year, would they ever let any of us just coach a program with one coach? I don't believe so. I've thought about like talking about like on that, on that line, like I've thought about, cause me and, and my assistant, neither of us work in the school. So one of us, uh, like I usually work a little bit later uh, than he does, but like one of us usually can't make the bus. So what happens if I'm sick or, you know, whether I have COVID or not, but I'm, I'm not going to be around them. He can't make the bus. We just cancel the game or, you know, like, like I've thought about the logistics of it outside of even on the court and how that's going to work with only two of us that, you know, neither of us are in, are in that environment in the school. There's a lot of obstacles. Yeah. You know, and if you start thinking about all of them, you start thinking about how the season's not going to work, but then, you know, you, you start seeing how football's doing it. Right. I mean, some, some of the teams, I know you guys have, have, uh, you know, exhibition games uh, with schools that, you know, are, are from outside of our division and they've been playing football for four or five weeks, you know? So, I mean, I don't know if all those, those protocols are being followed. <laughs> yeah. Because it's truth. I don't, you know, I mean, are they, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's really crazy to think, I mean, listen, I, I hope we get to that point where we have to worry about that stuff. Cause that means we have a season you know, and, and things are, things are going on the right way, but you know, it's just really weird to think about, you know, to think about the fact that I I'm even asking you guys, you know, have you thought about what you're going to do with masks? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just, you know, 
you know, we, 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 you know, we used to have this, uh, these ugly sweater competitions, Casey, we're going to have like an ugly mask competition. (laughs) (laughs) You got to step your, you got to step your ugly sweater game up. Well, first, I, I guess I should probably just wear one at some point. Yeah, yeah, you really have to get on board, man. Like you're too, nah. you, you look too good. You're like you and Coach Gibbs. You guys try to, you guys try to look dapper at all times. Yeah. You know, I, and I get it to a point. But what are we doing, fellas? Am I no ugly sweaters? It's, it look good, feel good, play good. That's those are the rules. <laughs> that's yeah, fair. I guess that's what it is, right? That's fair. Coach, Coach Gibbs, do you have any more questions for uh, for Coach Tompkins? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we covered, we think we covered everything I was interested in. All right. Well, coach, um, I'm going to ask you about our hypothetical this, this week. And this is one we have touched on in the past, but let's get your perspective on it. Um, your team is down two points. The other team is shooting double bonus. There's 10 seconds on the clock. They have to go the full length of the floor. Okay. So you, I assume, would want to foul to put them on the line to get another possession. But how are you going about that situation? Are you fouling immediately? Are you trying to get create a jump? Are you allowing a little time to go off? Are you, what are you going to do in this situation? Okay. So uh, I, I think I may have lost you at the start of that. So What's the score again? Your team down to. The reason why I'm asking you this is because this is what players do. <laughs> in the time, in, in the timeout. So this is this is starting out the, the same way that it would start off. So you just say this that again. Like, you're down yeah, two. Okay, we're down two. Ten seconds to go. Okay. You're gonna foul. They're gonna shoot a double bonus. Okay, so so the opposing team has the ball. We're gonna foul. Mm-hmm. They have to go the full. They're at the other end of the floor. Got it. Okay. Are you trying to steal the ball on the inbound? Are you trying to uh, jump ball? Are you trying to send them to the line immediately to save time? What is your strategy? Obviously you want to steal first, but yeah, I'm scheming for it. Um, so I'm never telling uh, my team in the huddle to steal the ball. Well, <laughs> uh, no, and, and, you know, I, cause I, I will never tell them, listen, steal the ball. I'll, I'll tell them, here's what we got to do. We got to get a hard, right get a hard trap and we got to rip at the ball mm-hmm. and and if we you know if we get the ball then we got to go to the basket but you got to rip at the ball because we have to send them to the foul line gotcha you know and i think that just encourages i mean kind of an aggressive mentality because if we say well we got to steal the ball then you know what's going to happen they're going to dribble it out for 10 seconds and we're going to be looking like washington generals um so i trap immediately go after the ball, try to save as much time as possible. Uh, and then maybe we play it out from there. Right. So you're, you're like, you're like two seconds off the clock, Mac, two, three seconds off the clock, Max in this situation. Hopefully. Yeah. Gotcha. Or, okay. Or for, or for playing at blue Ridge, there's six seconds that runs off because the guy running the, the, the girl running the scoreboard just lets it, lets it run. You know, people, you know, people, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I went to school there and I, I it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No love. All right. So uh, they, they went down, they made one. Okay. Do I have right. a timeout? No. No timeout. No, t- no timeout. That's tough. Okay. So listen, it's not that tough. I don't, I'll tell you this much. I, I do not cover the play or that situation at all in the previous timeout because kids, kids are not going to process that far ahead. They cannot do it. 
So let if, let's say if they if they make the first free throw and they go up three, I'm calling something out at that point. Gotcha. I'm probably pulling my point guard over and I'm saying, okay, listen, if if he misses this 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 free throw, you got to go get the ball from whoever gets it, and we're pushing it. You know, and I'm I'm basically telling my point guard, you got to get the ball, and you got to you got to get as far as you can get, and then kick it to a shooter. Because we, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna win the game tying here. We got We got to get a shot to try to tie. You know, we we got We got to get a three up. Um, that so. seems to be the, that seems to be the prevalent answer in this question. <laughs> the the layup and then milking the, the time down doesn't seem to be a popular opinion anymore. Well, I, I, and especially with with high school kids, I just don't think I don't think you you can manage that seven seconds anymore, especially where you know you're you're dealing that out. I'm assuming it's about seven at that point. You're right. Especially when you have you know guys who when they get the ball in the backcourt will take three dribbles and go nowhere first uh, before they get you know like you got to get going. So I just tell the point guard get the ball and start going and get your head up. You know, try to get into the lane and then kick it to somebody. You know. Perfect. Well, I think on that note, um, on that note, I appreciate, uh, we appreciate having you on this week. Maybe, maybe down the, down the road, maybe we get into season. We could, uh, we could talk about some of the, the hard fought battles. (laughs) Yeah. You should do, you should do like a weekly, a weekly coach's corner or something like that, where we break down the matchups. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that might be something we think about the future coach. So, so yeah, they'll, they'll all be the same. They'll all be the same. <laughs> my best player, my best player scored seventeen. Yours scored fifteen. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll and we'll sit here and uh, be afraid to talk to each other because we're playing one of each other this week. So <laughs> right, like that competitive mentality. So right. All right, fellas. Hey, it was, it was. I really appreciate having me on. It was good to catch up, and hopefully, you know, we can we can see each other here in a couple months and you know do it for real. You know. Yeah, well, thanks a lot for coming on, Coach. All right. Take care, guys. All right, later. Do not leave anything in this locker room when you walk out. Nothing.